Disclaimer. The views expressed on this episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik are solely the opinions of the host and the guest. The content of the conversation is not reflective of the institutions or establishments mentioned therein. Take all these opinions with a pinch of salt and a dash of lime if needed. Namaskara, good morning, good afternoon or good evening whenever you're watching or listening and welcome to this episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik. My guest this week is Shivam Patel. Shivam and I met through a few mutual friends and um, I found out about his history which sort of led me uh, to want to bring him on this podcast. Uh, in this episode, we spoke about his switch in belief systems. We spoke about the time that uh, he moved to Oklahoma from Gujarat, India. And we touched on a lot of topics about uh, religion and certain intricacies and nuances within that and the Indian culture from his perspective. So there's a ton of things that you can relate to. There's a ton of things that you can learn. And there's a ton of things that you can just sort of revel in and enjoy uh, from this conversation. So without further ado, I present to you Shivam Patel on this episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik. Hey Shivam, how's it going? Good, how are you man? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Uh, I really appreciate you joining me and uh, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. So yeah, let the people know who you are. Uh, tell us about what's going on in your life at the moment, uh, some of your future aspirations, your likes, your dislikes, that sort of thing. Okay, yeah. So as Pratik said, my name is Shivam Patel. Uh, I am. I was born in India, uh, moved when I was 12 to small town of Clinton, Oklahoma, from a city of about 2 million to uh, 10,000. Huge culture shock. Uh, And right now I'm currently a college pastor at Vintage Church. I get to hang out with college students. And actually, uh, I'm still in college and I'll be graduating in May with a degree in organizational leadership and a leadership minor. So that's a little bit about myself. Awesome. Uh, let us know what some of your likes are, what your dislikes are. And this can be very, very generic. We've had people talk about uh, people cutting them on lanes on the road to not like liking to do laundry. So is there anything like that that you don't like or anything that you do like that you find therapeutic uh, in some way? Yeah. So one thing that I do enjoy a lot, as you can probably tell by my hat, uh, just uh, the outdoors. I love uh, hiking and just doing things outdoors. Or I also love hanging out with people. And as for the things maybe that I don't like uh, are, or just maybe even pet peeves or just uh, when I get blamed for something I didn't do. Uh, <laughs> uh, or uh, when, uh, or I, I hate doing like chores that are not <laughs> just, I'm also like very ADHD. So if it takes longer than 15 minutes, I'm out of it. So that, those are a couple of things I don't like is things that take too much attention and too long. Gotcha. Gotcha. Fair enough. So, yeah, I mean, you, you've beautifully laid out a question for me to ask. So you said you moved to Oklahoma uh, when you were 12. 
Um, what was that like for a 12-year-old in sort of that culture shock? So yeah, if if you don't mind sharing, talk to us about that culture shock and yeah, just everything uh, unraveling it, itself. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy and uh, weird because, you know, it's like all my life till I was 12 years old, uh, I'd known of India, things, super crowded streets and uh, people everywhere. And then moving uh, to Oklahoma, I got off the airport and the airport was really small. There was like no one there. Uh, it was weird. And I, uh, we were driving to my uncle's place and it just so much land and I've never seen that much land, open land before. And I was like, this is weird. And it was at nighttime, so I hadn't really even got to see what it looked like, but it was just I felt like I was walking in the middle of a driving in the middle of a forest uh, and just, I mean, the culture shock, uh, the first three months after I moved, I lived with my family in Chandler, Oklahoma. And so just kind of was slowly getting accustomed to what America was like and uh, the la- learning the uh, language and all of that. So it was, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> mm. And uh, for your 12 year old self, if you could expand on some of the things that you found interesting, maybe like three to five things that you liked about moving here and maybe three to five things that you didn't like about moving here. Yeah. So uh, let me start off with things maybe I didn't like. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that I didn't like was uh, people here in America are not as uh, inviting as you would think Mm. Uh, in, in a way where it's like, if I go, to a neighbor's door, I might mm-hmm. get shot. <laughs> There's a possibility of that. Not saying that that's every yeah. person, but it's uh, not as uh, not just not the same as India. It's people like their privacy here, whereas mm-hmm. in India, you can walk into someone's house in the middle of the day and eat their food, and they wouldn't care. At least that's what it was like for me growing up. I can go to any of my neighbor's house uh, in the middle of the day and they wouldn't care. Whereas here, that's, you can't do that. <laughs> you have to mm-hmm. knock on door or just, uh, people are not, not as me, they're friendly, just they're very private. Uh, that was mm-hmm. one of the things. And uh, one of the things that I did like was just everything was really nice. Uh, as in like, you know, kind of as if, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this is what a lot of international people think as well. It's like when you move, it's like it's just as if as you watched in movies mm. of what you expect America to be like and uh, the roads to, you know, just the things to malls to just everything is super maybe bougie. If that's the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Because I think um, there's some there's some instances where a lot of people might think that the entirety of America looks like your New York or California or your California for that matter. But yeah. when they come into Oklahoma, looking at the sort of barren land around them, I think that can throw people off a little. Yeah. But other than that, no, I totally agree. Like in terms of size of like a lot of things, America is big and everything yeah. here is sort of big, be it portion sizes or anything else. Like it's very big on, um, I feel like a lot of things. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, also loved uh, uh, looking at farms when where I lived for three months right across from it. There was a guy uh, who had some land and he was just farming away and just the uniqueness of it. You know, it's like you don't see that in India much. It's like farm is like completely different from the living area. And so it's kind of cool to see 
I mean, I guess it is Oklahoma, so maybe it's different. I don't know. (laughs) Have you come to appreciate that sort of closeness to the land, if you will, if that makes sense? Uh, What do you mean? Just as in like how close people are in India? Uh, In the sense that like, you know, in India, it's very crowded. There's people everywhere. But over Mm -hmm. here, you sort of have this open space around you. So Mm -hmm. did you ever feel like you were thankful for it or not, I guess... To put it in a better way, yeah. Uh, did you sort of find yourself being comfortable around the new environment that you were in? Yeah, it took me a little bit, but eventually I did, and I loved it. I don't know from looking at it now. I don't know if I would want to go back to India. I'm I'm used to waiting and not not waiting in line anywhere, and I've went back to India a few times, and <laughs> it's just so crowded, and you're waiting in line, and just. Uh, now I think I'm spoiled by having this much land and not that many people that mm. I think it would be hard for me to be around that many. It would make me more impatient. I'm spoiled. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I do agree. Cause uh, yeah, going back home because of the nature of everything, it will take a while for you to be able to get past the line or whatever else it may be. So yeah, no, that's, that's true. Um, for you, in terms of uh, being a 12-year-old to someone who's now in your 20s, uh, do you see a sort of evolution in the way that you perceive India now in comparison to the way that you perceive it before? And same thing with the way, with the place that you live in right now. Do you perceive it differently now than you did when you were younger? Uh, I think so, most definitely. You know, I think technology wasn't as prevalent as it is now, and I mean, I don't know what we would do. I mean, even us talking right now, it wouldn't be possible when I was 12 years old. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, it, it could be, but it's only a few had it. And just looking, I think that's one of the biggest things that has happened and how developed both of the countries have become, maybe not so America, but India, I think it's catching up slowly to the rest of the world as when I was when I left India, it wasn't as developed. It was just starting to. Our city had just gotten its first mall, and that was like a huge deal. And now there's malls everywhere, and mm-hmm. I mean it's just crazy to think about how much is developing. Uh, but I mean, I think it still has the same things that it had before, as well. Like the crowd, the city being crowded, and with America, I think there's it's still same in some some ways as in how people interact and stuff but I, I would say in america the technology aspect has gone off the roof it's like so advanced when it comes to that aspect and and just yeah mm. do you still have a lot of family back home or have most of them relocated uh to oklahoma i, I would say i have uh family a lot of family everywhere uh, mm. I have some uh, in. I, I sell quite a bit in India. Uh, they're the only. I mean, lot, not a lot of close immediate family, but just a lot of relatives. And you know how Indian families are. There's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> aunts and second aunts and second uncle and second cousin and third cousins. So I have a lot of those in India, but I also have a lot of family in uh united states not just in oklahoma actually in oklahoma i only have my uncle uh that lives here rest of in my grandparents uh Uh both sets of them Uh, but outside of that i have family in california uh, chicago new york boston just wherever you can think of atlanta (laughs) 
Florida, mm. wherever you can, to Houston, Dallas, all of those big cities. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Do you all have any family meetups once in a while? I mean, I know now it's not as possible because of COVID, yeah. but uh, did you all like find a spot where everybody just came and hung out together? Or was that sort yeah, of... Yeah, so most of the time, uh, there there isn't like a specific, let's say, family get-together or mm. like uh, a family reunion, but it, it automatically just happens when there's a wedding or some type <laughs> of uh, thing like that, uh, you know, baby shower, something that happens. And so those are like, I guess, a family reunion where you get to see all the families uh, in America, at least. And I guess if there's a wedding in India, it happens mm. there too. Gotcha. I see. I see. Uh, but transitioning into something else, you mentioned that you're a college pastor at the moment. Uh, so talk to me about how that happened and like where did that journey start? Yeah, I mean, that's a long uh, journey, but let me try to fit it in a few minutes. Uh, and so, Take your time. By all means, okay. take your time. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, so I started, uh, I mean, I moved here, like I said, uh, from India when I was 12 years old and stayed three months in Chandler and then started eighth grade in Clinton, Oklahoma, which is Western Oklahoma, about eight to 10,000 people. And I was not used to the American culture whatsoever. And uh, mm. I jumped in and uh, I was kind of in small ways bullied. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know if bullied is the right word, uh, but just made fun of because I was from a different country and uh, right. called names that uh, that didn't even relate to me. And and, mm. and so, but that's middle school American kids who are don't know what's going on. And in a small town, Oklahoma, they didn't know better uh, either. And so it kind of started there. And then I was like, man, if this is what America's like, I don't want to be here. I did not like it. And then, but it was different. And I'm an extrovert, so I just continue to talk with people and just got to know people and then uh, started kind of went through uh, eighth grade that's middle school and then went to high school my freshman year and uh, I decided that I uh, wanted to play football and I signed up for you know they gave you a sheet of paper when you were enrolling okay here's all the sports that we offer and I didn't know how it worked I thought in India you just kind of have like a PT class where you just mm. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's for fun, but didn't realize it was an actual thing. So I checked Mark football and tennis and just everything on there. Didn't realize what all that consisted of. Right. And so the, during that time, it was football season. And uh, I walk in uh, and it's two a days. And by, by that, it's like they're practicing twice a day uh, and they're in full pads. And so wearing all the different pads and so I'm putting all these pads on, never realized what in the world, why are they making me put all these pads on? It was just the weirdest thing. Uh, and I'm putting, it's like, I, I look twice as big with all these pads and helmet on. And I was like, this is weird. And th but at this time, let me remind you, I'm like four, nine, <laughs> not very, probably maybe, maybe like five foot, a little bit over five foot. I'm very short. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it's like <laughs> this little chubby guy walking out there and uh, and so with all the gear and then next thing you know, I'm getting tackled. And I was like, uh, because it was two full pads tackle. And then uh, and then I was like, this is weird. And the entire time I thought I was going to play soccer. 
<laughs> because that's what it was called in India. And I was like, football, right. okay, cool. Why am I putting all these pads on? A ball looks like an egg. <laughs> and <laughs> so that's how it kind of started. And then, but during that, like there's people who are kind of, you know, bullying me, making fun of me. And mm. uh, But during that time, there were a few friends who were really nice to me. Uh, and one evening they invited me to go to church with them. And I asked them, uh, or, and they asked me if I wanted to go to church with them. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't really, I, I didn't care. But at the same time, I was like, I don't really believe in that. I don't, I don't know. I probably just, and my parents were strict at the mm. moment as well. So I didn't uh, really uh, pay much attention to it. But they were like, well, there's, free pizza. <laughs> and so <laughs> I went for the free food and mm. did not listen to anything uh, the youth pastor had to say, mess around, goofed around, and they had free food every week. And I was a vegetarian at the moment. And I was like, you have cheese pizza. I went for the cheese pizza every time. And I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, and continued to go. And it was towards the, after going for three or four weeks, I was like, maybe I'll listen to what this person has to say. If I'm eating their free food, I guess I at least owe them that. Mm. <laughs> and so, and they didn't care. And he was just asking questions uh, similar to uh, questions I've always asked my parents about um, growing up. It's like, what's your purpose here on this earth? What, where did you come from? What's going to happen to you once you die? And just a lot of those questions I was like, and this is where, like, I would say curiosity started for me. Uh, and so I went home and asked my parents, uh, why do we believe in what we believe? Uh, what's, you know, where did we come from? Just some of those questions that I always wondered as a kid. Now, as an adolescent uh, and, you know, being a teenager, just my mind is churning and wanting to know all these things. So I asked them and uh, pretty much, I, I did get a few answers from them, but it was very generic, as in like, oh, this is what we've always believed. We're from India, and uh, that is why we believe that. And for me, I was like, that doesn't make too much sense. I want to know more. Even, I mean, even, even as a kid, I mean, yes, I followed the Hindu religion. I would sit down in front of the the temple at our home and do the little tilak on our on my head and do all those things, but never knew why I did it. And mm. out of curiosity, I just want to know what, what, what all is going on. So long story short, uh, in the next three and a half years or so, I researched into all major religions of the world, including Hinduism, talked to a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, priests uh, and even my parents group uh, or my mom specifically. My dad wasn't as religious. My mom uh, grew up Swami Narayan. That's one of the gods uh and so talk to some swamis and all of that uh talk to some imams uh in the islamic faith and uh, some buddhist monks and just wanting to know and even i was so confused in those yeah. times but i was also so curious i was like what uh, what i feel like there's more to life than just living it right uh, and in those moments uh uh, I was, and even Christianity, I was asking the local pastor and youth pastor millions and millions of questions. Uh, and as I was going through all of that, uh, I read through the Bible and, you know, read through the Bhagavad Gita a little bit and read through, you know, 
the Quran and a lot of those things and, you know, listen to a bunch of YouTube videos and podcasts just, and then got to a point, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm listening to so much, not knowing what's true. And then, and I mean, I just kind of prayed. I was like, whichever God you are, whether that's one of the million gods in Hinduism or, you know, uh, the Allah of Islam mm-hmm. or, you know, any of those, like, just make it clear to me uh, who you are. And as I kind of started praying, then I was looking at all different religions. Uh, I was drawn towards Christianity, whereas all religions in the world, as I started looking into it more, it says you have to earn uh, or you have to do things to earn your favor before God, whether that's, you know, worship, these things or perform all these rituals, you have to do things to earn your favor before God as, and when I looked at Christianity, it says it's impossible for me to earn my favor before God uh, as because we're human, because we're sinful, uh, that it's impossible for me to do, earn my favor before God. So I was like, well, this is interesting. And so uh, towards the end of my junior year, beginning of my senior year, I would say for six months of it, I kind of, in a way, maybe hated Christianity. I was like, no, it's just like any other religion. I have to earn my favor before God because that's what I grew up uh, believing and thinking. It's like, this is exactly the things that I have to do. And it's just like other religions. You're just putting a different spin on it. And you're going about as if you can go on living your life just as normal without having to pay your prices. And in the middle of going through all of that, I think after six months of it, came to realization Yes, it is impossible for me uh, to earn my favor before God or do things or earn good karma or all all those things uh, because Mm. I'm a sinful. Even one of my sins gets me disqualified because God is so holy and and I'm not. And so when I came to realization and then looking at it that there's not one person uh, that did what Jesus did, it was lived a a sinless life died on the cross and was uh, died for my sin specifically and realizing that I think, you know, even though it it was a long process, I would say, as I was looking into it, I think I publicly said that I was uh, going to be a Christian because in that moment, you know, I believe, you know, the Holy Spirit, as in say, or God uh, was speaking to me and saying that this is, and, and even, even the prayer that I prayed, I was like, whatever, God, you are making it clear to me. And it was, you know, the Jesus uh, of Nazareth that made it very clear, very evident. And from that point on, uh, uh, I chose to believe in Jesus and what he had done for me. And and I think my life was transformed before. Not, I mean, yes, it was like I came to realization. It was logical thinking. Uh, but at the same time, I think there were supernatural things that happened in my life. My lifestyle changed. Uh, not because of me just working better towards it, because now I believe and love God. My life looked completely different than it did before. I didn't have the same desires uh, to live a life of sin that I did before. Obviously, I'm a human. I'm going to continue to mess up. But now I have someone uh, that I can put my faith in. It's not dependent on me to earn my favor before God. It's dependent on what Jesus had done on the cross. And so that's what I put my faith in. And it was just a sense of security uh, for me in start. And then, but <laughs> I didn't really tell my parents as I was kind of doing all this. And 
I was afraid what their reaction would be. And uh, until this point, I was like, "Uh oh, I was scared. I didn't I kind of hid my Christian faith from them in mm. in response to fear, even though they're pretty acceptable of other religions. I didn't know what was going to be their response. And eventually when I told them it didn't make sense to them, they're like, no, no, you're from India. You're 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 Gujarati. That means, you know, you, that's what you grew up in. You, you don't change religions. And I mean, I, at this point, this I'm in senior year of high school and, you know, I'd grown my faith and all of that. And then uh, I told him, like, you're right. I am still Indian. I'm still going to be involved in uh, the culture aspect of it. But uh, the exclusivity of Jesus, what was uh, that's what was hard uh, for them to understand. Uh, and then I was like, no, I, I follow uh, Jesus. And uh, they didn't understand what that meant like, because in, I would say, and you'd probably agree with me, that religion and the culture super in, intertwined together that it's hard to separate mm-hmm. uh, that. And so I, I was kind of faced with that. And eventually, uh, you know, my dad uh, told me that if I was going to be a Christian, I couldn't be part of my family. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, you can leave my house. But then about 15 minutes later, after I left my house, I came back uh, and uh, he, I came back and he was like, well, since you're my only son, their obligation was to let me, let me uh, stay with them. And I stayed with them. And it was uh, it was it was hard for me to understand. I was like, is is this what I get for following a different religion or following this Christian God? But at the same time, I knew it was worth it to follow that. The reason why is because as I was reading in the Bible and just learning more about God, that my relationship with my parents is, you know, in an Indian culture, that's your parents are everything to you and uh, mm-hmm. they're super close. When I look at it from the scriptural standpoint, yes, but my relationship with my parents will end at some point when I die or when they die. My relationship with God is an eternal relationship where it's never going to end. And, you know, yes, even though my mom gave me birth, I was knitted together in scripture. It tells, uh, it says that I was knitted together in my mother's womb by God. And so just realizing those things, I was like, my relationship with God is the most important relationship that I will ever have or that I ever, uh, you know, had. And, and this is it for me. And I was like, no matter what it would cost me, uh, I was going to follow uh, Jesus. And then but there was cost to it because my family didn't accept it at first. And mm-hmm. then going from that, I mean, even I'm not going to go into super detail. I even went back to India where I was even uh, asked to renounce my faith, even threatened to be killed and even put in front of a different, uh, uh, I don't know if you know, Mataji's. Have you heard of mm-hmm. that? Like uh, to make me renounce my faith. Uh, and I mean, just went through a lot of different things and, had to endure a lot of that uh, because of my belief in Jesus and because it's so countercultural for me. But this is something that I decided to put my faith in. This was everything for me, no matter what it would cost or no matter the bribe. (laughs) Mm. So uh, hopefully this made sense. No, it did. did. And I didn't go in super details, but 
just just basically if i went in super details would be here for hours mm-hmm. <laughs> gotcha so from then on you started uh being a part of uh pastor groups i assume which sort of led you to becoming a pastor yes yeah so uh yeah so kind of uh do, going through all of this even strengthened strengthened my faith even more and as i started looking at my life i was like because this has changed my life so much drastically i don't see myself doing anything else but but you know being a pastor being someone that who's an advocate for mm. uh what has happened to me and telling others about it and so uh i think it was uh it, it was it was made very clear to me as i was just praying and all of that, that hey this is what i need to be doing and so i decided to pursue that path by you know i was i mean the opportunities are opening up left and right and and I decided to take one of those internship and then started uh, doing that and then was uh, offered a job here. And then now uh, actual full time uh, at the church as a college pastor, just hanging out with college students and um, sharing my faith and publicly speaking and a lot of uh, other things that come along with being a pastor mm-hmm. at a church. And I was just recently ordained, which I guess makes it somewhat official uh, in October. Awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, you said something about how it just, the whole process of you, uh, seeking your, uh, faith in, uh, Jesus. Correct me if the way I'm putting it is wrong. Uh, but, um, yeah, like that process of seeking faith in him. What was the word I was looking for? Uh, uh, sort of strengthened you as a human being and based off of what you just said from the uh occurrences that happened back home Mm -hmm. did you ever if you don't mind my asking did you have any of those moments where you were like why is this happening if i am here seeking you god that Mm -hmm. i'm having to go through this difficulty yeah why why is it this complicated why can i not just you know be in peace with the fact Mm -hmm. that yeah. I am seeking you and that this is what I yeah. want to do. Did you yeah. ever have that, that sort of feeling or inclination? 100% when I first came to faith, it was happening, <laughs> you know, very often as I was thinking through that. But at the same time, like when I look at and when I read the scripture specifically in Matthew 10, it even makes it, I mean, it's kind of hard, you know, when you look at the Bible, it's not just all great thing that it talks about. It also talks about the cost that you're going to, pay mm-hmm. if you're going to if you're going to end up following Jesus in Matthew 10 it says you know if you come to me you you're going to have to deny everything in this world uh and that's including and, and it even talks about how you know a father against his son and and a mother or and and you know daughter against her mother and some of that's like where it would almost seem as if you hate your family he didn't come in this world to bring unity, but to sword against sword in a way that's like, hey, if you really are going to follow Jesus, that means like people are not going to look at you the way <laughs> that rest of the world might look at you. There's a cost to following Jesus. You're going to be uh, different and people might not like that in response. Uh, things might happen, uh, but at the end of the day, it's going to be so worth it because our life on this earth is so short that our life on this earth, uh, life on this earth, matters so much that if we endure in this life, the 
glory that we're going to get in the afterlife, it's going to be so much more worth it. Mm. And it's never like in this on this earth. It's it's never will be. It, it will never be easy to follow Jesus. It's kind of even you know that's what the kind of the Bible says. Right, right. And if you were to draw a parallel to like life in general, like if you were to take something up, you would have challenges on that path, and people might not believe you or not believe the fact that you you seek happiness in that path. Uh, but mm-hmm. you still have to sort of persevere if that's what you want exactly. and sort of deal with the consequences that come yeah. with it. So and, no, and totally. here, here's something that I want to add, you know, it just, you know, for me, this was a purpose that I found and no matter what it took, I was willing to follow my purpose. God given mm. purpose that was for me. And if I mean, even, even, even an encouragement to people who might not be followers of Christ is like, find a purpose in life that's worth dying for. You know, mm. it's like, if you can't, if you're not willing to die for the purpose, then is the purpose of your life worth it? You know? Mm. Interesting. Uh, I have quite a few questions popping up. Yeah. Let's, uh, we'll first uh, hit the phase of you um, seeking uh, faith in uh, Jesus. If, uh, is that is that the right way to put it or correct me? Yeah, that's great. Yes. Okay. No. Uh, yeah. So um, in that journey, you mentioned some hardships you had with your family. Mm-hmm. Is your family, if you don't mind my asking, is your family more accepting of it now? Uh, 100%. Or... So okay. it, it initially, they wanted me to renounce my faith and all those other things. But, excuse me, <laughs> as as time went on, they just kind of accepted me for who I was as a person. So, okay, this is what you've missed from now on. That doesn't mean it still isn't hard as I'm engaged right now and I still love my culture, but I'm not going to following the you know the religious aspect of the hindu faith so it's hard to navigate between those things and as, as i'm even planning a wedding right now uh for me and my fiance who comes from a uh you know american white uh background so it's like just two cultures coming together i mean there's still things that i deal with but at the end of the day i think to me it's worth it you know mm. Well, congratulations yeah. to you on first you. being engaged. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you, again, if you don't mind sharing, what, what was it? I mean, I, you said that you came back home after 15 minutes or so when your father initially told you to leave the house. But if you can remember anything that happened at that moment, did you know where you were headed? Did you know what you were going to do at that point in time? Man, I had no idea. And when he said, get out, I left. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going. I was just walking. And I don't know what I would have done if he wouldn't have called me back. Maybe tried to call one of my friends or the church that I kind of was going to. And But, you know, thankfully, you know, uh, he called me back. And so, yeah, I had no idea. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Because I think, well, at least... Um, I guess it depends from person to person, but uh, you know, I think sometimes when you when that happens, uh, people can become a little resistant from going back to the place that just kicked you out of there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, did you have that sort of passing thought? Oh, he just kicked me out. Why am I? Why should I go back? Did that ever happen to you? Yeah, initially I did, uh, but at the same time, like I knew that I loved my parents. Mm. And also, still to this day, I have a desire for them to come to know this Jesus. 
and mm. uh and so it's like part of that it's like initially man like what this not worth it but there was something in me that was like i love them and i care for them and i'm gonna do whatever it takes to not necessarily obey them but honor them and mm. as my parents and respect them as my parents even if i can disagree with them about the things that i believe in from about when it comes to uh, having a faith and believing in a God. It's like, even if I don't agree with them on that, I can still respect them and honor them because they're my parents. They love me so much. And I never doubted that, that they didn't love me. They cared for me and they still deeply care for me. Just, I don't believe in the same God as they do. And, uh, you know, it's like, I still want to respect them and honor them. and They love me <laughs> like crazy. And so I, I never doubted that. Gotcha. Uh, do you think that that sort of uh, response that they had to everything that happened stemmed from a good place? Because, I mean, I'm sure it did. But like the reason why I'm asking that is because a lot of the times I feel like our parents stop us from doing certain things because they. I don't want to say this wrong, but I believe they or they believe rather that following things a certain way is what will keep you happy. And at the end of the day, they want to see you happy. So uh, did you ever feel that sort of sense of like, oh, they do want my happiness. It's just that we don't look eye to eye in our belief systems. Yeah, 100%. You know, initially, that's all they've ever known. And so kind of looking at it from their perspective, it's like they have a child who's following a different religion. Uh, Mm. I mean, that, that has to be crazy for them and even they've endured so much because of my faith from other family members uh, and how I was just thinking they've about talked that, yeah. about that and it just you know it's like they've endured so much for me where it's hard for them yes they care for me and you know they would like to me like for me to be fully involved in the Indian culture and fully involved in the Indian religion and in the Hindu religion and all of those things uh but but at the same time, like I get it where they're coming for where mm. they think this is the best for me. And that's all they've known for me. But at the same time, just in uh, just for a lot of Indian parents, I would say, and without realizing it, they I think they might be even try, part of them might be trying to live their life through their children's life as well. And I think that's hard. And that's something that I had to understand as I mm. grew up even more. It's like even looking at it's like if I ever have a child, like I'm going to let them do what they're being called to do. Yes, I'm still going to, you know, tell them what's ra- what I think is right and all those things, but at the end of the day, I don't own them. They're their own person. And uh, you know, even as even as young child, I'm going to tell them and show them what's right and lead them in the right direction, but at the end of the day, it's their decision to make and you know, even if I don't support it, I will let them know, but at the same time like they're their own person. I can control them. And that's part of the thing that I think our parents' generation have a harder time maybe understanding, uh, okay, it's their life kind of, and maybe some do. Just I think just some traditional Indian parents have a harder time understanding that, hey, they're their own different person, uh, person wanting a lifestyle for themselves. Like, you know, as growing up, I would say probably a lot of Indian child uh, children, either even if you're a guy, either you're going to be a doctor or engineer. And that's what kind of they have for you. And like, obviously, they don't see the desires that are within you, you know, to 
do different things. And so like initially, even for me, it's like I was in a way even forcing myself towards those things, but I'm like not attracted and not capable of those things whatsoever. And even if I weren't to be in uh, as a pastor right now, if even if I wasn't to do that in a religious form, I still think I would be doing something with people, whether that's sales or, you know, HR or something like that, or I'm around people. I don't think I was built to be a doctor because of my personality and all those things. Mm. It takes so much, uh, you know, focus and concentration, which I don't have. I can barely focus on things for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Um, before I ask something more about the sort of Indian parenting situation, I want to ask, um, I mean, I'm sure based off of what you told me, I don't think any of it was forceful, forceful rather. But a lot of the times I think, uh, and maybe this is the unfortunate part about uh, slightly more conservative cultures. Whenever there is a switch in faith, it is believed that you were forced to go that way or, you know, you were brainwashed to do that thing um, and so on and so forth. So uh, did you ever have that sort of question or that sort of, uh, I don't know, scenario thrown at you where people around you were like, oh, this is happening because, you know, uh, somebody brainwashed you or this is happening because X, Y and Z. And if so, how did your faith help you get through that? And secondly, how did you have to sort of make your case in the sense of saying that, no, none of this was forceful. This is just, you know, me being led in this direction. Yeah, no, absolutely. There was even a time where it's like, hey, uh, they thought I was part of a cult or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I mean, you know, I was like, no, I'm not. And they're like, where are you learning all these things that you're learning from? Who are you following? And I was like, I'm following Jesus and I'm reading this Bible. And they thought, you know, in the Indian culture, it's like you might be following some person who's getting you into this cult. And that's what my parents and other people wonder. It's like, okay, who is this following me to get him away from this person or whatever that is? But it's like, no, this is something that I'm choosing uh, to do and that I've even you know, researched into and looked into, and it's not a decision that I've taken lightly and I'm not being brainwashed. This is something that I've been kind of led towards as I've done this research and looked into different religions. And at the end of it, this is the conclusion that I've kind of came to. And so, yeah, most definitely I've had times where uh, they even took away my Bibles because it's like, and, uh, uh, they're like, what are you, you know, it's like, what are you learning? Why are you acting this way? It's like, they thought I was part of a cult. And mm. so. Right. Cause for you, it was more of a uh, process of self-discovery through exploring and sort of experimenting with different things. Cause like you said, you read the Bible, you read the Quran, you read the Bhagavad Gita, but then this is what sort of stuck with you mm-hmm. and sort of kept you on that path. So, uh, just this is just to sort of pivot on that idea. Uh, have you heard of uh, what's the name? Westboro Church or Westboro Baptist well, yes, Church? Yes, Westboro Baptist Church. Yes. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, the reason that why they bring that up is uh-huh. um, I've had a conversation with a friend or two about this too, where you know that that church has uh, a reputation for being 
uh, slightly more extremist, mm-hmm. if I could put it in, yeah. um, if I could put it in that way. Um, do you feel like those? But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong when I'm saying this. Mm-hmm. Do you think that those interpretations of religion, be it uh, the Westboro Baptist Church or anything, any other cult-like figures or groups that you see in any other different religions, are those a result of the interpretation that people make? Or are they just seeing something that we are not seeing? Yeah, I think initially uh, it starts off as something small that they see a difference and it just, towards the end of it, it just gets so drastically away from the truth that they're, <laughs> I think it's more to deal with pride uh, than anything mm-hmm. else where it's, it has to do with them kind of even being that one <laughs> Church that's they don't they don't entirely see uh, they don't necessarily uh, first of all let me get it clear this is kind of hard to explain <laughs> but uh, they don't they don't represent the rest of the uh, Christianity and right. uh, and I think how they come to that is just, I don't know I think they take the extreme they take uh, the Bible I would even say out of context. Or even mm. want to apply specifically that align with their personal va- values rather than them aligning aligning their values to the Bible and uh, whatever kind of they want to get out of it, what they want other people to understand. That's what they're kind of doing. That with taking things out of context and kind of like condemning people, mm. and it's most extreme and not accurate uh, at all. You know, some of the things that they say might be true as mm. in it's kind of saying that in the Bible, but it's completely out of context how they're putting that <laughs> in mm. front of people. Right. That's not, I mean, you look at, it goes completely in opposition of how Jesus lived his life on this earth. The three years that he did ministry from when he was 30, 33, that goes completely opposite against what he did. He had compassion towards people these people do not. <laughs> they mm. condemn the people where, you know, I'm even reminded of a story in the Bible when there's uh, a lady who is caught uh, uh, in the middle of, you know, who's a prostitute was caught in the middle of that. And uh, there were Pharisees as in religious people. And uh, a lot of people were gathered there. And, uh, you know, it's like they wanted to stone her because she was a prostitute and she was right. a sinner. And then Jesus said, you know, it's like, for for one of you doesn't have a sin, that be the first one to throw a stone, and they all dropped their stone because they were all sinful and walked away. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says to that lady, "Hey, just like those people have <laughs> thrown their stone down, even though he, he'd be the only person who could cast uh, throw a stone at her." And he said, "I'm not going to do that. I forgive you and go on and sin no more. Live a lifestyle that's going to look different, and I'm going to forgive you." And I would say that's Christianity in a nutshell, rather than condemning people. It's about forgiving and loving uh, Mm. and having compassion. Mm. Interesting. The reason that I brought up that conversation, like I said, was from from conversations I've had with a friend or two. And um, I also, I don't know if you've heard of this uh, podcast. Have you heard of the Joe Rogan experience? A little bit, yes. Isn't it a political, pretty conservative no maybe no uh yeah no the joe rogan is uh 
he's also this MMA commentator on the UFC and he has his okay. own podcast. Gotcha. Uh, where, confusing uh, someone else. <laughs> yeah. And he had a guest on uh, who was part of the Bespuro Baptist Church. I think if I'm not, I hope I'm getting her name right. It's Megan Phelps Roper or Megan Roper Phelps. One of those two. Um, and yeah, she talks about her experience of being within the church because I think her grandfather was the one that started that church. Uh, so she spoke about her her entire experience over there and how uh, Twitter, of all places, sort of helped her come out of it because I think she met her current husband on Twitter mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he sort of helped her see the realities of that sort of extremist way of living. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I will link that episode below for uh, of that Joe Rogan uh, podcast or the Joe Rogan experience for anybody who is interested. But um, yeah, I was just curious to know because... I, I personally do believe, like you, that it's just, unfortunately, a lot of things like pride or sort of things being taken out of context uh, or things being interpreted the way that they see best fit that sort of lead to these things happening, be it uh, the belief that uh, there's extremist Islamist groups that are, mm-hmm. um, you know, churning out terrorists or yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Yeah. Um, not every Islam or not every person who believes in Islam is bad or not every person who believes in Hinduism is bad. It's just that unfortunately there's some bad faith actors that, mm. you know, tarnish the reputation for everybody. Yeah. But that's just a personal belief. Uh, yeah. do, you, do you feel the same way too in terms of uh, the way that things happen around the world at this moment? I mean, I, w- I would say so. I think at the core of it, I mean, like kind of going back to it, uh, I think, obviously, I think every person uh, has sin. And uh, obviously, mm-hmm. I don't think even in looking at it from what I believe in that yeah. fact comes from what the Bible is like, not one person's good. Right. But at the same time, there is, you know, like a generic goodness in people that have a desire to be a good person. No one's, just, you know, you know, unless they're extremist and they've kind of, not you know maybe brainwash i don't know the correct term uh for that uh is but like where they're so out of line it's like outside of those few i would say most people have a general perspective of being good and wanting mm-hmm. to be good and do good things in the world but at the, at the bottom of that i think the problem has to deal with sin of personal belief it just not one person's good and even even in the smallest of ways even me tends to have evil thoughts that i have to take uh-huh. captive uh and you know take them <laughs> to god and it's like where are these coming from and th- they might not be ex- as extreme as trying to kill people <laughs> or uh-huh. you know condemn people but even you know s- small things and so i think you know it's a more more than anything a sin problem above anything but at the at the same time i think there is like this mutual uh place where people are desiring and wanting to be good right mm. yeah for sure for sure um another thing this is probably going to shoot off into um sort of brainwashing but maybe not or that sort of idea uh yeah. you mentioned how um you know you were and I apologize if I'm putting this bluntly, but oh. I'm just sort of trying to look at it as yeah. a question that I can ask. That Did you ever feel like uh, people around you or uh, be it family, friends or relatives sort of 
tag you for doing uh, or tag you for choosing uh, Christianity because of the sort of challenges you had, like in being bullied or so on and so forth. Did you ever have to face that problem? Uh, you're saying from my family's side, like family or friends or relatives, mm-hmm. anybody? Because you mentioned I chose uh, that to you follow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, most definitely, the one of the first times uh, I went to a wedding after I'd came to faith and after it was a public knowledge type of thing. Like people, I mean, I, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say they were like, you know being i wouldn't necessarily say they were bullying me Mm. but the very first time they were treating me a little bit different looking at me differently and even even some of the older family members they were like what you're doing is wrong and just Mm. trying to convince me the other way like hey you need to get out of it you're hurting your parents and just uh, more than anything it was that and so uh i I wouldn't necessarily say being bullied just Mm. kind of saying what you're doing is not right and you're hurting people and you need to stop doing what you're doing and come back to your sense and just be like, you know, just, just follow and just be like all the other people. Don't, why are you doing this type of thing? Gotcha. Gotcha. I see. Uh, speaking uh, but, of, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say from friends perspective, a lot of my friends, were American because I lived in Clinton in America. Uh, it was, I mean, in India, there was a little bit of response, but I'm, I wasn't as close to them. Uh, I did have a different, uh, I would have to say no to things that, I mean, people who are partying all the time or, you know, doing drugs and things like that. Obviously, some of those friends I was friends with before, but after that, yes, I was still friends with them. And yes, I communicated with them, but uh, they weren't my core group of people you know and that that had to change because my lifestyle changed right right and so at first it was hard they did give me hard times like why are you not you know hanging out with us or doing things that we're doing but uh, <laughs> so fair fair uh going back to something that we mentioned earlier about uh our parents sort of trying to vicariously live their dreams through us or at least that's sort of like the perception that we have with Indian culture and how Indian parents sort of bring their kids up. Um, for you as now being a future parent, because you brought that thought up, you want to be able to lead your ch- children or child in the right path, but at the same time, you want them to be able to experience things for themselves. How important do you think it is for us as younger people to sort of understand that, okay, while our parents are of a different generation, they believe that they had to force fit us into a certain path to be like to be successful, if you will. But that that's not the case, and that we shouldn't be doing that, and that we should let them experience things for what they are. How important do you think that is for us to sort of understand as future parents, if you will? Yeah, I would say it's very important. <laughs> Uh, for as future parents as we look for that uh, that it's because like if we end up forcing our children to do what we want them to do the relationship that we're going to have with them is not going to be the same words there's going to be this you know of you know it's like like oh they're telling me what to do 
it's not going to be the same as it would be if you were letting them kind of choose for themselves. Obviously, still lead them in the right direction. We're not going to obviously have rules and not let them do drugs and yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. That's going to end up hurting them. But at the same time, like letting them make their own decisions wherever that leads them and even seeing their consequences where what happens if they were to do something that, you know, we told them not to do or, you know, but as for life decision, I think it's super important. Like when career choice or things of that manner, it's like they have a brain of their own. God has given them a brain of their own to decide what they need to do and what they're being led to do. And it's like, it, it in a way, even it's like, why would you force like, you know, a pin <laughs> Mm. to be an eraser like that's not its purpose yeah. here on this earth it's like whatever that god has put a desire in their heart whatever purpose that they have in life let them do what they're good at and what they're going to do rather than force them and mold them into something that they're not meant to do like sure eventually like you know if you make it do certain things but they're that's they're not living their full life if you just kind of force them to do a certain thing that they're not built to do. Like, sure, if I really wanted to, I could be a doctor. If I try after like 20 years of failing classes, maybe I could finally get around to being a doctor. But like, am I really living, you know, my life to the fullest? If I have no desire to, and I hate, I'm going to hate it after 20 years of failing it, continue to do that. It's like, what's the point of that? You know? Right. Yeah. 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 No, and uh, what I just said is not sort of like me uh, throwing shade on all Indian parents because yeah. not everybody is like that. And yes. I'm sure that a lot of us are lucky in a lot of ways. It's just that I was... And when you were talking about that, it just reminded me of this movie. Have you heard of the movie Dangal? Um, yes, I have. I've not watched it, but I've heard of it. <laughs> right. Is that so, Amir Khan? Yes, it is. Yes, it yeah. is. So, yeah, in that is basically like sort of uh, him wanting to have a son to uh well i'm not going to spoil it too much but basically he tries to vicariously live his dreams through his children mm-hmm. um well that's a more heartwarming story at the end but uh it sort of shows you i guess or it maybe helps you put put into perspective the fact that there are uh certain parts of society or certain mm-hmm. parts of like parents that want their children to sort of live their dreams and yeah. that is live their own dreams that they had for mm-hmm. themselves. So yeah. yeah. Is that the but, movie? Is that the movie where uh, uh, her daughter's like wrestling? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I've yes. seen that one then. Yes. Never yes, mind. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it's a really, it's a really nice movie. Uh, for those of you interested, you can definitely check yeah. it out. But uh, yeah, it was just, I was just thinking of that because that's sort of like a pop culture reference, if you will. Yeah. Uh, to sort of like the cultural. The cultural, what's the word I'm looking for? The sort of cultural bug that we have yeah, yeah. as Indians. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just it's just fascinating how, uh, you know, as you evolve and as you understand, those thought processes change. Um, so before we head on to like the latter stages of the podcast, mm-hmm. for you personally, because you were someone who was initially a practicing Hindu, but now you've uh, become a man of uh, Christian faith, how important is it for people in general to be able to keep an open mind towards things i think it's extremely important just because like 
looking at either family members or people around me, uh, like, because like you get caught up and even, even for me, like I still fall into this trap all the time. It's, it's so important to have an open mind and see the things around you because you never know what's, what more there is to life unless you're willing to explore that, you know, in your little bubble, <laughs> that that's not, you know, the entire world. That's just your life. You have to be willing to see what's outside of your little bubble and see what it may have to offer uh, to you. And, and sure, you have your beliefs that you hold strong to, but at the same time, be open to the things that are going to change you for the better. You know, whether, you know, it's like even for those, uh, you know, it's like I would say I, I would probably uh, probably never go outside of being a Christian. You know, uh, I've given up my faith. But at the same time, there's so much more to life that I don't know yet that I'm open to that. If I wasn't open to that, I would just be kind of in my own little bubble, not really experiencing much. It's like I would I would tell every single person if they've not been outside of the country to go to a different country, ex- explore a different culture, see what's good about it, see what's bad about it. And then your eyes will be open and you would probably want to do it more. And I think that's one practical thing that you can do to be more open minded is just go with few people to a completely different culture that's going to open your mind. And then I think that's a one practical thing that everyone can should do if they have the opportunity to do, and it will open their mind quite a bit to things in the world. Yeah. Cause if you don't mind my saying this, I believe like from what I can tell, it was you keeping an open mind and you being experimental that sort of led you to be where you are today. Um, am I, am I correct in saying that? 100%. It was, it was a curiosity <laughs> in me. It's like having an open mind and understanding because initially it's like, no, absolutely. This is my only faith. Hindu is my only faith. And, you know, it's like this one and never not really even knowing why I believed in it, but mm-hmm. being so stuck in it, it's like, I think that's where we have to put our pride aside and really see what's really out there. You know, it's like gotcha. what Shivam always doesn't have to be right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fair. Uh, you brought up an interesting point there again, which I want to sort of uh, hit on. Um, you said we need to know why we're believing in the things that we're believing in. Mm-hmm. How important is that? Not just from a standpoint of religion or faith or belief systems, yeah. but just from a general standpoint of yeah. culture or yeah. everyday life. I think it's super important because it grounds you. If that makes sense, it's just uh, if you know who you are and if you know your boundaries and your limits, and if you, it makes you more confident. It, it makes you more confident. Hey, this is who I am. This is what I believe. And that's what grounds you. And then you can kind of go on exploring because there's a line between being open and still being grounded in what you believe. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is necessarily so important because if you're not, then you're going to be swayed by the wind left and right. Like if a storm comes and you're going to be on the other side blown away, if you don't, if you're not grounded in what you believe and I think it's extremely important without being grounded, you know, you're just, uh, you know, a boat without an anchor. You're just going to be going wherever the wind is blowing you. Mm. Fair, fair. Uh, I have this other question that sort of popped up based off of what you said earlier uh, about having a purpose and 
pursuing something that you would be willing to die for mm-hmm. um again how i mean you might have answered this question already when we were talking about it earlier but why is it important for us to seek a purpose that is worth dying for or is it or do you think that it's necessary to seek a purpose worth dying for yeah well i would say that i would say life is just not limited to us you know even from a personal belief like i'm just a sojourner here on this earth our life here is on this short our, our life here on this earth is short it's the things that we do on this earth that matters i'm going to be here today and gone tomorrow but how have i lived my life and left an impact that's bigger than me you know it's like in few years people are not going to remember after i'm passed away people are not going to remember who shivan patel was but if i had left an impact on people if i had mentored people if i'd done things that was bigger than just shivan patel people are going to remember that uh, and and i think that's for me that purpose is you know sharing the good news of jesus and for me like I mean if you really look at even that you know it's like it started with jesus and his 12 disciples and now is the largest religion in the world there's a reason why because like it it was those some of those guys they didn't care about who those who they were it was about the purpose that they were carrying with them that was much more important than them because like we're all going to pass away at some point we're all going to die at some point it's just what we do with our life in this moment because our life is momentary it's short right uh, and it's like how are we going to live that life you know and that matters the most because it's more than just me and you it's more it's mm-hmm. and it'd be different for different people for me it's about god and for other people it might be about something else that's doing their life uh that gives them a bigger purpose you know mm yeah no true very true um you mentioned something else about how uh it's very uh well not well you mentioned something about how people will forget our existence after we are gone but you want to be able to create a mark to where people do remember you uh so before we transition into that word association game i was talking to you about yeah um how do you want to be remembered mm man <laughs> that's a that's a tough question i think i would say i would want to be remembered as a person who lived his life to the fullest or gave all that he have for the sake of the gospel for the sake of my purpose in jesus and you know no matter what it would cost him he gave it all that he had living pretty much like i was saying earlier even i want to be remembered as someone who lived a life to the fullest for the purpose that he fully believed in and you know it's like i wouldn't even care if i was martyred for my faith in a way just because i believe in it so much and i care for it so much and uh, but if there to remember means it'd be a man of faith who who loved god and lived out his purpose and i think that's probably what i would want to be remembered as that's beautiful that's beautiful well yeah i mean i appreciate you uh, going into depth and sort of answering all these random questions i had yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah we're going to head into uh, the segment that I like to call bish bash bosh uh which is basically a word association game where I give you five words and you have to respond to each of those words in three different words or three different phrases 
uh, these words are sort of consistent with every guest that I have on the podcast. And uh, they're sort of the principle behind me starting the podcast, which is why I ask the, sa- the same words to each and every guest to sort of okay. um, see how we... How we, how we respond to them differently or similarly. Uh, so, for example, if I was to give you uh, the word faith, what are the three things that are that pop up into your mind? That sort of thing. Does that gotcha. make sense? Oh, like just three things that would pop up if I got you. Yeah, it gotcha. could be words or it could be could, phrases. Yeah. Okay, man, I'm going to have to be quick with it. <laughs> no worries. You can, you can take a few seconds to think about it. No, no worries. No worries at all. Yeah. Uh, this so is the first, fun. Yeah, well, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, the first word is differences. What comes to your mind when I say the word differences? Uh, people, mm-hmm. uh, personalities, and maybe faith, <laughs> since that's something that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, the next word is nuance. What comes to your mind when I say the word nuance? Mm. I don't know. What does nuance mean? <laughs> uh, nuance is more like uh, there being middle ground, there being gray in the black and white that we see. Because a lot of the times it's just like two sides of the coin, but then there's more to what we see sort of thing. That's what nuance means. Mm. Uh, can I like just quickly? Yeah, up? go for it. Go for it. Just so I can answer that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, subtle distinction. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> um, like, I don't know. <laughs> it could be anything that pops uh, up to your mind, honestly. Uh, just uh, making decisions, uh, uh, maybe just like values, mm. uh, and maybe just interest too, like what people are interested in, and right, just right. those things. Like they can be gray areas. <laughs> mm. Sorry, yeah, no. to go. I was. It's all, it's all good. No worries. No worries. Uh, the third word is learning. What comes to your mind when I say the word learning? Hmm. Learning. Sheep and Patel. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when I think of learning, I'm, I don't know. Uh, words, not sentences. <laughs> uh, knowledge. Mm-hmm. Curious or curiosity. Either one. Uh, and... like child or even like a childlike faith type of thing, like always mm. wanting to learn, just mm. never stop learning type of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Uh, the fourth word is empathy. What comes to your mind when I say the word empathy? Empathy. Uh, I would say Jesus. <laughs> uh, he was super empathetic and sympathetic uh, uh, and caring mm. uh, and intentional. Mm. I like that. Wow, that's beautiful. Uh, and the last word for the segment is similarities. What comes to your mind when I say the word similarities? Culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, humans. Uh, 
Mm. Uh, we're all humans at the end of the day. We're all similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and man, I'm trying to think similarities and uh, culture, humans, and it could be anything. If there's a oh, no. word well, calling out you in your head. <laughs> I'm thinking too deep. Um, I don't know. Food, man. <laughs> food, yeah. We all need to eat that, food to survive. That's right. I'm thinking <laughs> of food. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll take that. Well, thank you so much uh, yes. for playing along this round. We just have two more questions. Well, the last okay. one is not necessarily a no. question, but the penultimate question. Um, in the world of differences that we live in, how do you relate to people? Hmm. In the world of differences that we live in, how do we, how do I relate mm. to people? I think communicating, just, just the ability to conversate with people, even from a different, I think just the ability to have a conversation with people, even at, despite the differences. I mean, we, we're seeing that today in our cultures as people would call it the cancel culture. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think just the ability to have a conversation uh, with someone else, I think you're, you would be able to do that. Whether, even if you don't know the same language, I think you can still do that by signing and just being, just having a conversation with people. I think that as time goes by more and more, people are just canceling uh, mm. people rather than just being willing to listen to what the other person uh, has to say despite the differences and i think we're able to learn from mm. each other if we're able to move past those differences if that doesn't become the primary issues we're able to learn uh from those people that we would have never learned like right. for me i will talk with anybody and everybody i don't care how crazy of a dude that is you know it's like uh, or like even politically like I would say I'm pretty middle ground. I'm not mm. super conservative or liberal, but let's mm. say even if I were, it's like I will talk to the craziest conservative and hold, be able to hold a conversation who's loves Trump's uh, loves Trump and wants to, you know, uh, love all the guns and all that. And I will, you know, I will also have a conversation with someone who's super liberal and into, uh, you know, all, you know, like all the things that they might be in. And uh, I was, I can have a conversation just because, we're able to move that past those differences and we have the similarity of being a human mm. uh, and live and laugh. And I think it also creates an opportunity to talk about a deeper purpose with whoever that is. Yeah. Maybe I'm being a little greedy over here, but I want to ask you, uh, have you had any of those experiences of having to talk with people of extreme sort of <laughs> political alignments and you don't need to go into specifics, but if so, uh, how did that help you? Or what did what helped you sort of bridge that gap? Yeah, I think uh, truly one of the, I mean yes, I have. I've had a, a conversation with uh, someone who was like a diehard Trump supporter, mm-hmm. and you know it's like for me, it was just me just being willing to listen to the mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. I, I necessarily didn't want to argue uh, in that moment. I just wanted to listen to what uh, he had to say. And I, one of the things, the coolest things that I got out of that experience is I was able to, in a smallest of way, you know, like obviously I don't believe in that, but still be able to relate to those people and why they think the way they're thinking. And 
Mm. If I weren't to have that conversation, I wouldn't have known why they believed or why they, you know, believed in the way that they did. And right. I think that was super important to me. And I necessarily don't have to believe that, but necessarily also don't have to argue that. I'm like, okay, I just want to know what you believe in. Here's why you believe it or why you voted for this or whatever that might be. And so 100%. Gotcha. No, I think that is very important in the world that we live in. And you put it beautifully because of the cancel culture or sort of like the differences in opinions, we need to be able to learn to see or at least accept that there are different perspectives around us and that people will just see things differently and that we can't eye to eye with them, but we could still agree to disagree and, you know, live together as people. Yeah. So that yeah. is beautiful. Uh, yeah. The penultimate question, well, not really a question, uh, <laughs> I have, leave us with a positive quote or a positive thought. Hmm. Positive quote. Can I can I use something that I've used before? Maybe. By all means. By <laughs> In all the me. podcast. Uh, hmm. Okay. Give me give me a second. I'm thinking. Go uh, for it. Okay, maybe maybe here it is. Let me try. Find a purpose worth living for and find a purpose worth dying for, maybe. Mm. I don't know if that, that cuts it or not, but would you like to expand on that a little more? I mean I, I like I like how you put it, but if you could expand on that a little more. Yeah. I think we were just kind of talking about a little bit about it earlier, but even finding a purpose in life that you can live for, as in that's what you see yourself doing. You don't want to be even even practically thinking like you even in the things that you're doing, like if you if you're a doctor and if you don't find your purpose in that you're doing that, are you really living life? Mm. And then that's what the find a purpose living for that's gonna you know give you purpose in life. And then from the other end, so find a purpose dying for that comes from the passion side is to find a purpose in life that you're so passionate about it that you're going to be willing to die for if that's what it came down to something that's deeper than yourself. You know, MLK was uh, died. I mean, that's from like a secular point of view. MLK died for a purpose that he really believe, believed in, but he also lived for a purpose that he believed in, uh, you know, uh, towards when he was doing, you know, it's a, his uh, freedom speech and all of that. You know, I, I have a dream, you know, and that was something. So I think, something similar to that it's like finding a purpose that is worth living and then uh find and you know it's like find a purpose that's worth dying for that is that is beautiful that is really beautiful thank you so much shivam for taking the time to sit down with me and having our having this conversation i really appreciate it thank you so much yes sir this was great man i enjoyed it Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. And all of the all for <laughs> for all of you listening or watching, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik. Make sure to follow Shivam on his social media accounts and make sure to follow the podcast on your platform of choice. And subscribe to the podcast to never miss another episode. Share your thoughts on the guest introduction post on the Random Relatability Instagram page and 
let us know some of the things that you found relatable about this episode. If you've listened this far, I really appreciate you for joining in on the conversation. It's because of people like you that I'm able to put out content like this and have wonderful people like Shivam on the podcast. So keep listening and thank you so very much. Until next time, stay safe, take care, and don't forget to keep your mind open to different perspectives because you never know. Random relatability might just be around the corner. <laughs>